0: Welcome to the Wildcast Podcast, coming to you from Wildcast Studios with your hosts Adam Lund and Jeremy Boucher. Hello!
1: Welcome back to Wildcast Studios for another episode of the Wildcast Podcast. Your unofficial voice for all things Moncton Wildcats. As always, I am your host, Fanisters Adam Lund, and of course, I am joined by your favorite co-hoster, Mister Jeremy Boucher. Mister Boucher,
0: how are you? Doing very well. How are you?
1: I'm. I'm uh... I'm good, I'm, yeah, I'm actually, is good. yeah, no, it was nice, uh nice relaxing weekend after mm-hmm. a, a difficult week for, for Leila and myself, uh, I won't get into what it is, and uh, just because it's a little bit personal, but mm-hmm. uh, if you follow the journey, you kind of know, um, but yeah, no, it's a difficult week, but a uh, nice relaxing weekend, um, got to see some good hockey on Sunday. Uh, Love is blind. The reunion show was on. Uh, crashed into some Netflix. So all in all, just a nice, simple weekend. Yourself?
0: Uh, I went to Moose Country. Ah oh, yes. And uh, you know, did some uh, some visiting there. Uh, so went down Friday night and uh, came back Sunday on the you know with some greasy roads, but <laughs> yeah. made it safe. Uh, but no, it was uh, it was pretty good. Went to uh, did some IKEA. Uh, didn't do any shopping, but uh, as I told you in a in a text message, there are some serious Ikea shoppers out there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. There was this one man who showed up with a measuring tape, uh, and he was taking measurements to ensure that the things he liked would fit into his bedroom, or his whatever, room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and if it didn't f- fit, he would become frustrated and like, you know, smack his measuring tape back together, <laughs> and uh, it, was, it was quite entertaining to watch. Uh, I very much enjoyed that. Yeah, um, we went to Jack Astor's, which I mean, that's a, oh man, I haven't been there since. Like, that's a Calgary. costly. That's a costly spot. Like, oh really? Oh yeah. But for myself and and Megan and and Avery it was like 140 oh, dollars. Holy! Yeah, and we didn't even get much. It just seemed like we like we got like Avery kids menu, obviously. Yeah. yeah. And, Meg and I got a burger and fries and a couple couple drinks each. It was one hundred and forty dollars, and like that's wow. a that's a meal decay, keg, man. And uh, so I was uh, a little a little surprising. Yep. And uh, believe it or not, I had KFC for the first time in my life. Your life? My life.
1: What kind of chicken did you eat?
0: I, I just I was I never was a KFC kind of person. I wow. Just, uh, I guess I shouldn't like I'm surprised, but
1: like in my hometown growing up we had. Two restaurants, Subway and KFC. Yeah. And then we were promoted to Subway A and W, and KFC was gone. Um, so I guess like, I, mean, you've had a few more options in your life in Moncton than mm-hmm. Subway and KFC. And you
0: know, back uh, in no. back in the day, it was KFC. If you didn't order at uh, seven thirty for an eight o'clock close, no chicken. No, I've I've never had uh, KFC. Like this was the first time I had KFC in my entire life. Your and, thoughts? Uh, it, it's disgusting. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's it's disgusting. Yeah, there's uh, way better options out there. Man, than KFC. that's like yeah. I've never felt hashtag not a sponsor like for a reason. The gut rut. Yeah. After KFC was disgusting. Yeah. I felt like cr- like I literally felt like crap. Right. But I did figure I did find out an interesting fact about KFC. It's finger looking good. Well, I wouldn't put it that way. <laughs> that's just false advertising. Yeah. Um, so. They only follow eleven people on Twitter. The KFC account. Yeah, eleven herbs and spices. Yeah. So six yeah. guys named Herb and the five <laughs> Spice Girls. Oh really? Yeah. Okay, I so didn't six, know so who six was so six random guys named Herb and the five Spice Girls.
1: Okay, I didn't know who it actually was. I just yeah. knew they followed eleven
0: herbs yeah. and spices. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, Okay, that's pretty cool. <laughs> that's pretty uh, funny. I'll give them that one. Yeah, so that was my that was my weekend. Um I started training for our 40-yard dash. Yeah. So, yeah, you put that poll out there. I don't even know what we're at. I, I, I was, my math is terrible because I wanted it to end yeah. at the time when we usually record our show. Right. But for some reason, I put it an additional 24 hours. So, it'll come out Tuesday. So, it'll be out Tuesday. Um, so, I, I last time I checked, I had a bit of a lead. Uh, not one to brag about. Uh, but there was a slight. I had a slight edge on on the vote count here, uh, and uh, I think it was like fifty three forty seven last Ooh, time I checked. Okay. Yeah. So it was very close, and we're currently at fifty five to forty five yeah. for you. Yeah, twenty votes. So um, I've uh, I've got a slight edge. We'll put it that way. And obviously, you won't be able to vote when you hear this, but uh yeah, yeah no, that's be interesting to see who. We'll have to keep retweeting that during yeah. the, uh, from now until the
1: end time, just yeah, just to see who actually thinks. Keep keep going and keep going and see if we can actually get a a good size yeah. vote. Did you see the uh, the couple of intermission poll? Usually you do. The, I did. The Twitter I did. I did, see, I did see those. those yeah, are, the, those are good. The yeah. Backstreet Boys won I mean, three only three votes, but took it hundred percent. Yeah. So the the other one there, um, I can't remember. I think I took it from Arizona. I took it from an, oh no, I took it from Colorado. Um, the idea, but what would you what would you do? Would you take a, a slap shot and goalie equipment from loshing or would you take a hit coming down the wall from Hamel?
0: I would rather get hit by Hamel, I think. Yeah. Yeah. As, as a goaltender, I would I usually used to play take a slap football, shot. So yeah. I could take a hit. Yeah. Right? I've never played goalie. You used, yeah. to, play, you used to play goalie. Yeah. I know you were a goalie. Yeah. But I don't think you've been hit with a probably a 90-mile-an-hour slap shot. Um, I've been hit with a few, yeah. They hurt if they they do. They can. They can. I imagine they sting. Um, But you know, growing up playing football, I was I was hit more uh, growing up than I was hit with a slap shot. So I I can I can absorb a hit. Yeah. All right. (laughs) All right. So
1: amazing race. Uh, We're gonna get into our quick uh, pop culture. Amazing race. Arun and Natalie's time finally ran out the amazing race in Portugal, I believe. Yeah. Portugal, which, again, they're they're painting the sardine cans, mm-hmm. which, and I can't remember who it was that said. I think it was Kayla. She's like, or Raquel, one of those two. She's like, I would rather paint the doors than eat the sardines, and I'm like, yes,
0: 100%. sardines aren't bad. But right? everybody
1: picked the hardest one. Arun yeah. and her Aruna and Natalie picked the easiest one, the the ship and the blue. Yeah. And every time someone would come up, I'm like, pick the blue one.
0: Yeah. The
1: yeah. Ship is easier. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Sardines aren't bad. No, I wouldn't eat them every meal, but no, I've, but, I've indulged with my fair share of, of yeah, sardines. I've would been like uh, Lulu with the Slovak or the Slovakia where oh she was eating God. and she was choking
1: on it because of the onions. That, that would have been me, but uh, so we got into the, the final three Kim and Penn, Raquel and Kayla, Ryan and Dusty. Um, Ryan and Dusty just got fooled by the clue, just thinking too much. Um, which I mean, you watch 33 man. shows, 33 episodes of the show you're bound to do that because you're like, it can't be that easy. Yeah. Like it can't be. Um, Especially in the finale. Yeah, exactly. So, but, uh, Kim and Penn who I, for the first time predicted a show correctly, um, from the beginning, smart for her to draw and take notes as you're going through, because they usually have that kind of final challenge. And that's, that's,
0: that's what makes you an amazing race super fan. Like you should know that as ever, as you go on in the race, Yep the last challenge is going to be a memory challenge yep. of everything you've experienced in the race. And, uh, you know, I thought for I thought maybe she wasn't going to get it because she kept messing up the uh, the coins and the candies and this and that. But well, that's the worst part
1: is you you go for it and they're like, nope. And you're like, okay, well, how many do we choose of the mm-hmm. 10 that we messed up? Mm-hmm. Like, how many are you confident? You could see that with Raquel and Kayla. And, yeah. And I felt so bad for them. Yeah. And was... they heard Game
0: Set Magic, you just see the... The, the deflation. I'm yeah, like, I wouldn't even run through that tunnel. I'd be like, whatever. I like, was wondering. It was like when I was when I was watching. I was like, man, there's still like 15 minutes left in there. You, you can't like, what are they gonna do? The rest of the 15 minutes. So I wondered if the race actually continued after yeah. that. But yeah, I get, no, there was. uh So that was it. Yeah, and uh, Kim and Penn, YouTubers, uh probably already rich because of their hits on YouTube. Yeah. Win uh, win the prize. So the yeah. rich get richer. Yep. Which, <laughs> but hey, gives us hope, right? Yeah,
1: I mean, one day we yeah, could
0: true. as podcasters uh, join Amazing Race Canada. We can join Amazing Race Canada on, on uh, as podcasters, and we're going to professionally transition into uh, <laughs> Big Brother Canada because, yes. of course, there's, podcasts, there's a podcaster on the on the season. Yep. So, is my guy still in it? He he's still there, Kevin. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Kevin was yes. uh, that's all was I care the about. replacement nominee okay. at the first uh, at the first eviction. Uh, and uh, he survived. It was uh, I think at least third place would not me. I think I can't remember that far back, uh, but I'm pretty sure he was. And um, yeah, so Helena, I think her name was. Mm-hmm. She was the first uh, the first one evicted. And um, we had a uh, head of household competition on on Sunday night, and uh, they were they're cheering up north. That's for sure. No uh, <laughs> shore like the north shore. That's for sure. Because. Uh, Party Marty Fournette uh, is uh, this week's uh, head of household, and uh, I, I honestly, uh, I couldn't be more happier because I said last week, you know, like they they tend to send the older ones home first, right? And uh, he's he's actually aligning himself with uh, with some good players here, uh, which which uh, to me I think is 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 going to help him go you know pretty far in this game. Which is, uh, which is nice, because, yeah, he's the first uh, Acadian on the show, and uh, he's, he's he's doing really well. Uh, really, really impressed with, uh, with his gameplay so far, and uh, I'm not going to get into, uh, you know, the spoilers uh, or anything like that, because mm-hmm. uh, if you're a fan like me, you're reading the spoilers, you're watching the live feeds, you know what's going on this week, uh, long before it's on TV, so we'll... Uh, We'll we'll keep it at that. Let's uh, let's put it that way. And we may have a guest that will
1: talk to you about that here in a little bit. But mm-hmm. I mean, if he's head of household, and I, again, I don't watch this, but I'm guessing a guy who used to be a coach, he probably has a, a good way with uh, the younger generation. As mm-hmm. when you look at all the contestants, they are the younger generation uh, for this show. So, um, and again, the big one starts tonight. Mass singer. Uh, we'll have clues and guesses next week as we transition from Amazing Race to uh, to Mass Singer. So as always, don't forget you can follow us on Twitter, Monkton Wildcast, Instagram, Wildcast Podcast on TikTok. And don't forget to like and subscribe right here on YouTube. Back to the quick question. Uh, so we did a Mount Rushmore of WWE themes a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so this week, you say, or last week, you had said uh, we should do one of our own personal musics. So I ask you, sir, you want to go one for one, or you want to give your whole uh, your whole list? Let's do one for one like okay. we did last time. All right. Yeah. So you, I will ask you, who is on your Mount Rushmore of personal music, and and you know why? Uh,
0: I, well, I think most people will 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 know that you and I are both Backstreet Boy fans. Yes, and I've seen uh, them six times. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm at three, so you've got me beat there. Um, but Backstreet's Back for me is just one of those ones that will always, you know, if you're driving down the road and this song comes on the radio, there's no way you're not putting that on max volume. Yeah. Uh, and you're singing this song at the top of your lungs because uh, it's just such a, you know, classic from from your youth. And, yep. and it, it just brings. You know, some back some memories. I'll put I'll put it that way for me. Um, oh, oh, the memories, ladies yeah, and gentlemen. So the memories. Uh, Adam knows about it. Um, yeah. We're not going to share it. No, nope. he's uh, he's promised me that yeah. uh, the memory will. Uh, what what he watched prior? What to What happens us in the studio stays. Other than the show mm-hmm. stays. What happens off air in the studio stays in the studio. Yeah. yeah. Well, so what he saw before we started <laughs> recording this uh, will it's amazing. Will not be going public. <laughs> Uh, if you know, you know. If you know, you know. Yeah, yes. there's not very many people. Many people out yeah. there that no. Yeah, uh, so we will keep it that way. Yeah. All um, right. Uh, mine
1: from the same uh, era, same band. Um, like I said, I've seen them six times: four in Calgary, one in Edmonton, one in LA. Um, it's uh, it's the Backstreet Boys. Huge fan, and it's it's another one that when it comes on, when you hear that. Everybody knows the words. Everybody sings along. I was actually—I think it was last year—was part of a Twitter thing that just one lyric responded, one lyric, one lyric, the whole song. So it's uh, it's "I Want It That Way" by the Backstreet Boys because it's like every, it's like Backstreet's back. When it comes on, you crank it up and away you go. Your second one, sir. My second
0: one. Uh... <laughs> so this one's actually kind of kind of good. Uh, right. Anybody that. Uh, Will know me knows this is one of my favorite songs of all time. Uh, I know every single lyric to the song possible. Um, I remember one time I was at the gym and this song came out of the gym and some fool decided to Shazam it because I didn't know the name of the song and I wanted to personally slap them across wow. the face. Call Me Maybe by Carly Ray Jepson. Yeah, it's uh, it's a good one.
1: Another Canadian, uh, Canadian artist there. <laughs> oh, we, we lost it on that one. <laughs> yeah, we lost it on that one. Uh, so I'm gonna go from from Call Me Maybe by Carly Rae Jepsen to uh, Metallica. Oh, uh, jeez, yeah, it's yeah one of the one of the uh, just. For a drummer, when you hear this one, you know what's coming, and, and as a drummer growing up, um, the the middle intro of this with the double kick and the da-da-da-da, da-da-da-da, just it, it was something I needed to learn, something that just enthralled me, so every time I hear it, and then to see it live um, with the war theme and the, the pyro and everything going off, um, it is one by Metallica, uh,
0: it is just an unbelievable tune. I don't
1: know if I know this one.
0: What? I'm not like I wasn't. I'm a, I'm a wasn't a, I wasn't a big like rock guy growing up. So this is the double kick right in the middle. Yeah, it's, a, it's I don't know if I know this one. Really? I don't know very much. I don't know Metallica very often. Like I, I don't. Yeah. Um. There's that song that always, like, plays in hockey games. That's Interesting, the, man. That's the one? <laughs> that's the, that song that plays hockey? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. Not, Like, that's, I'm, like, growing up, It wasn't, yeah. it wasn't classic rock guy, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's, um, my classic rock growing up was, like, literally my dad having the Tragically Hip on repeat, right? And that, so that was, like, for me, yeah. like, one of those, that was, if I listened to C-103, it was, I was listening to C-103 to hear, yeah. You know, tragically hip, uh, you know, and as I got older, I was kind of I had, I had like, I think, I think everybody kind of had a rap phase. Uh, you might not have had a rap phase, I didn't have a rap phase at all. Um, so for me, like, my rap phase, like this, I was in like grade eight when like Nelly, like country grammar, yes, came no, up. Yes, no, okay, if that's a rap phase, like, yep, uh, so like that kind of rap phase, yep. um, where, where you could, no, no, oh, okay, no, <laughs> um, I'm just kind of going, on, yeah, 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 too, but. Um, like I think everybody's had a rap phase where it's just yeah. uh, you know it's rap's the, kind of depending like, the type of rap yeah like, yeah. and it's but yeah Well, we'll my, my third song um, <laughs> I just love this song because it, I think it's a great you know dance song uh, and they're such a great couple too yeah, yeah. Uh, you know Beyonce and Jay-Z Crazy in Love uh, everybody's here yes <laughs> you know just, <laughs> I just love of the song just starts yeah. off and I mean, this is a Beyoncé song. Like, Beyoncé kills this song. Yeah, like yeah. She makes this song. But just, they're, I think they're kind of telling their own, their story, right? Their story about each other. And they've been together for so long, it's just one of those songs that you just, you, 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 want, you want that kind of love in yeah. your life. And uh, just because, you know, there's just a powerful couple in the world right now. And uh, they literally could buy everything if they, if they wanted to. Uh, yeah. And uh, it, this this one was tough because for me, um, it was between this song here and another Beyonce song with Sean Paul, Baby Boy. Oh yeah, uh, that song too for me is just it's just one of those. You know, I just love that song. It makes me dance, uh, and I just I had to go with this one just because I love the I love the story behind it. So, every time I hear that song, there was a show
1: back in two thousand four. And it was, called, it was on the WB. And it was called the WB Superstar USA. Okay. And it was a spoof on Fox's American Idol. So it literally took people, and it was very cruel, but it was back in the day, who could not sing, who could not dance, who had no style, and it made them up into what they thought they were. So okay. I can't remember who it was, but every time I hear that song, there was one of them on that show, and... He sang that song thinking he was amazing, and at the very start that oh oh he would just come on and be like, and it was just, just that song connected with that show, and it was just cringeworthy how bad they actually were because there was no auto tune, like they made them sing, and they thought they <laughs> were amazing. So it was uh, it was unbelievable um, back in the day. Uh, the third song for me, um, this one. This one, uh, I mean, I—he was the number one list on my on my concert bucket list. I hit every single one on the five. He was the last one. I was able to see him twice in Alberta before uh, before we left. And it's just, this is another one. When this comes on, I'm cranking it up. It's "Calling Baton Rouge" by Garth Brooks. Got to make sure we get under 10 seconds so he doesn't sue us. Because <laughs> um, he can't find his music anywhere. Um, yeah, it's one of those songs that when that one comes on, um, on our good good buddy 96.9, if they ever play it, I mean, it's just, I cranked that one. He's my number one. He, bon Jovi was the greatest band entertainer and I, I'd ever seen mm-hmm. until I saw Garth Brooks, and he just takes it to another level. Uh, he's coming to... Gillette Stadium, and I'm really hoping that uh, we can make it happen to get there again, um, because it's just it's a, if you have a chance to go, it's an unbelievable show. You will not be disappointed. And he's not one of these these uh, groups that's going to come out and play the new stuff. Right. He's there to play the hits because yeah. he knows that's what yeah. you're there for. So yeah,
0: 100%. Uh, your fourth one. Uh, so fourth one uh, from the woman who my father would always say that she's my real mother. <laughs> uh, the, the, like the queen of Canadian country music, Shania Twain, uh, man, I feel like a woman. Uh, I just love this song. Uh, I've, you know, going to the old rock and rodeo back in the day, uh, on a Saturday night, you know, all the cougars are out in town, you know, (laughs) they're on the prowl and you're just singing this song on the middle of the dance floor. It's not even a dance song, but you just know every freaking lyric yeah, yeah and whether you're a man or a woman yeah right? and you're and the women are seeing you sing the song and they're just killing themselves <laughs> laughing because you they know you're there for a good time yeah. and the you know the cougars loved it uh so yeah my uh, my real mother as i was told growing up <laughs> shania twain classic good for you uh,
1: my fourth one uh i mean it's a hometown song it's uh I, I was trying to find Like I went One in each Like a country Rock Pop And then I was like What's my wild card You gotta go Nickelback They're from oh, my hometown yeah, yeah. Um This song I mean there are so many That I could have chose Um I mean if you go on Spotify You find the album Curb Uh That was their original album It was called Hesher um, But Leader of Men I mean I played this song For four or five years Um Straight almost every weekend In a bar Um with my band so this song like I it's just that to me is my hometown so that's that's why I'm going with Nickelback so my four Backstreet Boys I want it that way one by Metallica
0: Call of Baton Rouge by Garth Brooks and Leader of Men your four uh my four funny enough, I I already forgot them (laughs) Backstreet's Back obviously by the Backstreet Boys yeah Call Me Maybe by Carly Rae Jepsen uh, Crazy in Love by Beyonce and, uh, and Jay-Z, and uh, Man I Feel Like a Woman by my real mom, uh, <laughs> Shania Twain. Let's get to the Weekly Rewind.
2: Weekly Rewind.
1: So the Wildcats, 21-14-5 and one for 48 points, 5th in the Maritime, 6th in the Eastern Conference, which gives us a series against St. John. Uh, yeah, these are all going to be on points until the queue decides to go based on point percentage. So yeah, uh, Thursday they get a heartbreaking O2 or no, OT loss to the Eagles in overtime, two one. Um, had a lot of chances. I thought Philly on play well. The theme of this one and the theme of these three games so far uh, will be the special teams. They went zero for six on the power play, including a five on three. Um, they controlled most of this outshooting shooting the team uh, out shooting the Eagles, but um, just. Some missed coverages. The the other thing I take away from this one, um, and it was it's kind of been a theme in the past few. And I know I think Dan kind of answered it in the post game uh, report. This team gets beat on the stretch pass, and Pilot got beat on the stretch pass in overtime, and then he got beat off the turn, which ended up uh, Ob- uh, hegarty O'Ban's winner. It just it seems like they they're kind of getting beat on that stretch pass. But um, I mean, yeah, two one overtime loss. Cape Breton hung around and when you allow Cape Breton to hang
0: around, they're gonna they can do some damage yeah the, this is this is the beautiful thing about junior hockey is that it doesn't matter where you're ranked you can you can go out there and get two points like this is the Cape Breton team that beat Sherbrooke, right in yep. Sherbrooke's barn yeah, exactly and they beat Gatineau, I think too, didn't they not? yep um so if you work hard, you're gonna get rewarded and I the prime example is this is the wildcats like we we've seen this we saw that every game last season. You work hard, you're going to get rewarded. Yep. And this is... Like, what's K-Burton got to... What are they playing for? Like, literally nothing. Like, they're... they're Next what, year's job. 10, next year's 10 points out of a playoff spot. Yep. Uh, they're not getting in the playoffs. Um, so if they're anything, they're, they're here to steal points. Yep. And uh, this is a perfect example. And, you know, it's... Uh, the goalies are fantastic. Uh, you know, two of the best, you know, young goalies in the league. And... Um, you know, I think ever since that, that game in Schwinnigan with, with Villian in front of his family and friends, he's a different kind of goalie right yeah, now. Yeah, 100%. Uh, his confidence is, is super high. Um, it, you know, I actually feel good when I see him in the start, you know, getting the start. Uh, and the, play, the the guys are starting to play better in front of him. Uh, but this, this was just, you nailed it. The power play was pitiful. Yeah. Um, I think I tweeted decline power plays. For this game, Uh that was on Friday, but yeah, but still, same thing, <laughs> you know. Yeah, we'll um, get into that in a minute. Still, same thing. Uh, they got to, they really got to work at this because, you know, this wasn't just a a Cape Riding game thing. This happened, you know, in these three games yeah. in four in four days. The power play was was a complete joke. Uh, I, I, for for me, uh, I, I don't see. Why a guy like Mercier is not getting an opportunity here? You know he can hit. We you know he can shoot the puck, uh, but he's just you know they're putting him in the fourth uh, on the fourth line, and uh, I just I don't like that. I think he should be kind of a trigger man on the second unit. Yeah, um, give him a chance to shoot the puck. Give him a chance to score a goal. Uh, <sighs> You can't say there's nothing wrong with this game like it's it's just one of those games. you know Kate Breton was fired up because it was like their first home game since before Christmas, which is crazy to think, which so they you know they wanted to give their yeah, fans yeah. something to cheer about, yeah. something to go home happy for uh, and they did that um, yeah, but the, obviously the special teams is a big difference. if Moncton, you know scores one power play goal, it, it's a different result yeah uh, and uh, just didn't get it didn't get the production,
1: yeah. I... I don't understand why Mercy is not on the, the power play, and I don't. I like Moran as the quarterback, but I'm just wondering at what point you kind of give him a break because it, it looks almost stagnant. And I watched mm-hmm. the the Charlottetown shooting game after on Friday night, mm-hmm. and that penalty kill, Moncton's not going to get a shot. Moncton's not going to keep the puck. I mean, if you aggressively, and we said this earlier in the year, you aggressively attack Moncton's power play, you can you can they can be had mm-hmm. once they get set up in the zone. I just wonder at some point, just for a couple games, stick Jackson Bellamy as your quarterback and let him, even if he's putting shots into dude's shin pads, they'll think twice about coming out to block that thing. And, you know, back in the day, you know, in the NHL, there was your, your Chris Pronger, your Ally afraid, your Al McKinnis. He was your quarterback, and he was letting bombs go because mm-hmm. they're not coming out to challenge that bomb. So, I mean, nothing against Moran, but he just doesn't have that slap shot. And when we, tri- when we acquired Bellamy, that's what I thought he was going to be. It's looking a little stagnant, so maybe try and put them out, put Bellamy out on that first power plate, and just feed them one tease. They'll, they'll stop, mm-hmm. and that brings everybody back in, and allows that umbrella to kind of have a little bit more
0: option. Because what what what's a what's a ninety mile an hour 90, ninety mile an hour slap shot going to do? It's going to create rebounds. Yeah. Right. Goalies are going to have trouble uh, controlling that shot. Guys are only going to want to block that and, a few times. I mean, it's it just seems like such a simple fix. Yeah. Uh, we're not coaches. Right, we but, play ones on a podcast. Yeah, we do. But <laughs> you know, there's been power play setups that we've seen in Moncton in previous years. Yes, okay, the the player skill level was a little higher. Yeah, but I mean, for real, it's got You got to find a way for it to work. Uh, like there was always that time where it was, um, you know, pelts, pelts, when pelts would kind of. Um, find himself open in the slot right yeah. and get off a good scoring chance sometimes even a goal Yeah, like he would just pop somewhere and suddenly he's in the shot in the slot and it's in the back of the net like that just seems like such the a The McKinnon in his office Yes it's Which such... they're kind of trying to find with Lotion. Right? Yes Lotion's a perfect example yeah. like that's where Lotion should be is in the slot it just seems like such an easy setup and I just don't understand why they're not trying that because it's yeah. worked in the past and so I don't see like is it too predictable now, or or what? But it just seems like they're they're tr- they, they can't even get entry into the zone. No, and they they've quit that drop back thing. And thank God, God um, but they just they can't. It's it's amateur hour right now on the power play. Yeah, so it's, yeah, it's and and given given the amount of games they've got this month, they don't, they don't have much time to practice. Like no. it's you know you, you you might have one one day to practice and then suddenly it's game and then a game to practice and then a day to yeah. practice and game it's there's not much time to work on this stuff and there's no none of these uh whole weeks off anymore uh, on the rest of the season so they they got to figure they've got to figure it out no the most uh, practice days they're going to get is this weekend coming
1: up they got sunday monday tuesday wednesday and yeah. then they're playing every second night uh till yep that's basically it then they got wow. three days and in april so they got to figure something out and you know going into halifax and and the reason why we're harping on this power play they went 0 for 5 in halifax they got a 3-2 victory um i'll have a little bit on on face-offs in my walk out of the week but halifax 46 to 24 in face-offs just absolutely like what halifax did to us on friday night we ended up doing to cape breton on on sunday um I mean, I'm going to give huge props right now. I mean, Lemieux was great in the first period, um, but Ty Bell, Daniel, Barbashev, Hamel, and Isenzo. Those final few minutes, they got faceoff wins when they needed them. They were getting in front of everything. I mean, you thought Daniel broke something or could be oh, possibly injured. I mean, man, he, took, I, I he took a heck of a shot both. there. Um, those guys laying on the line to, at you know, finish this thing off, That's get, you get the two points. Mm-hmm. You know, huge prop to those guys. Uh, those guys making making things happen. Um, I mean, I didn't see the the high stick for for Barbashev. Um
0: It's uh, that's just a case yeah. of you know, it's you, you're so used to you know Larue being the one that's that's you know kind of getting caught in these situations. while he was the one kind of. Yeah. doing the agitating and the emotions got too high and, and you know Barbershop retaliated and that's you know you, it's always the retaliation that gets uh, yeah. that gets penalized right and and so you know we lost him for the uh, game against Cape Breton and, and probably the game against Sherbrooke as well right so um, that's uh, that sucks but uh, yeah Alexi Daniel literally I, I don't know if he blocked it with his face I thought he blocked it with his arm but something like it that it's there, yeah. some sort of a Piece of his body that <laughs> yeah. got the puck, and yeah. um, you know that's because that could have easily been the tying the tying shot right there. Yeah. That was a key block. I think there's maybe ten seconds left in the game when that happened. So uh, good on him for uh, you know for for sacrificing his his manhood and and uh, you know <laughs> getting, getting in front of get yeah. in front, in front yeah. of the shot.
1: And the, and and again, special teams was over five, and the only thing that saved Moncton was Halifax was over five. So mm-hmm. I mean, power play hasn't been great. But special teams is really coming along on the penalty kill side. Um, that's what we got overall. I mean, 76% 11th in the league. So at least they're not putting the puck in the net on the power play, but they are being able to keep the puck out of their net when they're on the penalty kill. And then Sunday, uh, 5-2 victory over Cape Breton. Um, they got their revenge after the OT. And I would probably say at least this is their best game of the second half. Um, I think they probably took about six minutes off, got in a little bit of penalty trouble. Um, junior hockey, momentum, bang, bang. Cape Brighton gets back into it with two quick ones. And then just like everybody expected, Manic Saracen gets his first, <laughs> settles everything down. Um, like the true veteran um, that Yeah, the, he yeah, is, the right? true 16-year-old veteran that he is. Just kind of calms everyone, putting a puck in the net. But, uh, no, obviously, c- huge congratulations to him. I don't think he looked out of place at all he had the speed he was physical uh, he ended up I mean scoring this that whole fourth line with him Mercier and um, Archibald Archibald um, I mean when you can roll four lines three games and four nights that's that's quite a luxury and, and I thought he acquitted himself quite well and I, I thought he played really well in this one. And I thought Fillion, like you said, I think he played really well mm-hmm. in in back to back games. He got a win on one, and he and he lost in overtime on the other one.
0: Yeah, um, yeah. Sarah said, I mean, yeah, if you watch the the Wildcats post game report on on YouTube, like you can literally, his smile is is yeah. just uh, you know could light up a room. And you know he says that you know it's he's a uh, monkton has his heart, and he's going to do everything he can to make the team next year. Like that's. That just sounds like somebody that's really committed to the to the organization, and, um, you know, for him to come in and, and just get a big goal like that, like, that's that's crazy. Uh, but, you know, when he was in training camp, I thought he was really impressive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, he's just constantly working and, and, and getting the job done, and so for him to score was, you know, yeah, it's a surprise, but uh, he just deserved it. And it's great to see because, you know, he's... Playing in Rossay in Netherwood, he's not like a top-line player there either. He's playing like second, third-line oh, really? in Rosse So, you know, he's not even, not even a, tough, a top player there. So for him to come in in his first game and get his first goal, that's uh, really, uh, really awesome to see. And you can know he was pumped up. That celebration was, uh, you know, was <laughs> you could uh, tell it was a big goal, but he probably would have celebrated like that if, he, if it was like a <laughs> yeah. 9-1 goal or something yeah. too, right? So. Yeah, at
1: least it wasn't one of those, you get your first goal and it's 8-1, 9-1, yeah. and you really can't celebrate, but... I, I got no problem if he's playing again nope. uh, tonight. Nope. Like I, I got no problem, and that's, you know, I hope that's the, you know, Dan LaCroix has done that where young guys are playing and they're earning ice time. I, I, I saw nothing from him. Uh, like Ryan Hackett, nothing against him, but he kind of looked overwhelmed at times. And, mm-hmm. you know, third line D is a lot tougher than fourth line minutes against Cape Breton and against St. John, respectively. But I, I think Mannix Harrison absolutely deserved to to play tonight and we'll see if he's he's still there because Barb's is still out and i mean it's tough you got delamate you got darcy His healthy scratches casey's still out um you know do you go with saracen again or do you go with you know a little bit more of an experienced thomas darcy on your fourth line
0: i i don't honestly i don't know if he's still around that's the thing like it's uh i, I think i'll probably go with another someone else another option there and uh, I think he's, around Harrison? Yeah Oh okay yeah, I don't think he's around it's, uh, I kind of saw A tweet or something That we got replied to Our account got replied to and It was uh, Someone saying Thanks for Thanks for staying with us It was nice having you So it kind of leads me To believe oh, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. that he was sent back To, to Ross But yeah. hey You know We've seen what he can bring uh, So you know when You start working on your lineup for next year, folks. I would, uh, I would put this kid's name on there. Yep, I don't have uh, I don't have any doubts about that. Um, you like what you saw from Philion? Yeah, uh, I, like I said, I think he's starting to come in come into his, his groove here uh, at the right time. Uh, let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. And uh, obviously, all it took was you know a, a game in his hometown to, to do it. He's been a different goalie. Only we record. could have had that last year. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks a lot, COVID. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, that's all it took. You know, sometimes it just takes your, you know, it takes familiar surroundings and, uh, you know, loved ones and to, to, in the crowd to, uh, for you to just become a different player. Yep. And, and that's clearly what's happened. And good, because, you know, we're going to need them. Uh, if we're <laughs> yep. going to start flipping these goalies 50-50 yeah. down the, down the stretch here. Pretty much have gone 50-50, yep. which is refreshing. Yeah. Let's put it that way. Yep. Very nice to see. Uh, he he's going to be a key a key part going uh, you know going to the playoffs and and we'll hopefully steal some points or in the rest of the year.
1: Yeah, before we get in, into our
0: guest, uh, they've
1: even the series, right? We, mm-hmm. we we broke this thing down in a five game series. Uh, they were down 0-2. o two. Uh, they came back. They got two in a row. So now the big one against Sherbrooke. <clears throat> We'll get into a preview of uh, of that and, and what could be a difficult weekend. So, yeah, bringing back the uh, view from the other bench segment.
2: View from the other bench.
1: And I, I will be honest with you, due to the power of uh, recording early, uh, I'm doing this interview with a friend of the show, good buddy of the show, voice of the Cape Breton Eagles, Pat McNeil. It's just you and me, buddy. How's your night going?
2: It's going all right. We're kind of getting back to normal in terms of Q scheduling, and it almost feels like a long break for the Eagles of this between Sunday and Thursday based on what the Quebec trip was like and what the rest of the schedule will look like. So I guess kind of happy to be back in the swing of things. And as I said, this is a nice uh, break before a couple of home games. It's good to get back and actually play some games at Center
1: 200. 100%. I mean, Jeremy and I were just talking about it. It's... uh you know, the most practice days the Wildcats are going to have is four and that's right now. And then it's, they get a break of three. And, you know, I I noticed, uh, I, I caught the tidbit uh, on the Thursday game, Cape Breton's, most of their home games are now in the second half. You got four in a row. I mean, just talk about the difference in the schedule from first half to second half and and how this is coming together.
2: Yeah, it's crazy. So in a normal year, as you know, you'd have 34 home games, 34 away games, and you mentioned if you were listening to my feed on Thursday, the yep. game against Moncton, yep. that would have been the end of the first half of the home schedule. Now, obviously, we've played more than 34 games, so we're more than halfway through. But the home portion is only halfway over, and the reason for that is is because um, the Eagles always take a six game trip through Quebec. And for people listening that uh, might not follow the other teams in the Maritimes as closely, I'm not sure how the other Maritimes teams do it. But for Cape Breton, it's always been, or it always was, up until 2017, you'd have four three-game trips to the province of Quebec. And then they decided to experiment with going one three-gamer, another three-gamer, and then a six-game trip. And that was 2017-2018 was the first time for that. Aside from last year, there was no games in Quebec. We've done that ever since. So it just so happened, when the queue restarted, you might recall that the Eagles didn't actually play the first week, and it was because what happened was the regulations prevented they're from being any hockey in Halifax. The regulations prevented there from being any hockey in Nova Scotia and PEI. And it would so happen, the Eagles' three games were in the three rinks in Nova Scotia and PEI. (laughs) And unlike Halifax and Charlottetown, who had missed Quebec games during the layoff, our six-game trip to Quebec hadn't happened yet. So we started with that we were off while the rest of the league was going and it actually wasn't terrible from a scheduling point of view because we were tied for the most games played in the league so that wasn't so bad so as soon as as soon as we had that six game trip going into the restart we had played an equal amount of games at home and an equal amount of games on the road it was 16 apiece. but once we had that road trip we had played six more road games than home games then the whole COVID outbreak happened so that wiped out two home games (laughs) and our next game was a road game then after the home game we had two more so since the season's restarted we've had nine road games and uh, one home game now ordinarily if you look back at all the games that were wiped out obviously there would have been more home games than away games during that stretch but it's just the way the schedule has gone and now as a result uh, in a normal year you'd be almost done the regular season by March 9th, and yeah. we'll be sitting on March 9th, having only played half our home games. Very bizarre.
1: Yeah, and like, you, and I, now that you say that, I remember I think, I don't know, maybe your first or second time on the show, I asked uh, if the six-game road trip was a special Scotty's road trip, and that's when you explained that <laughs> you moved into the 3-3 three, three, and 6, because, you know, big Scotty's right. fan over here, so um, but yeah, it's, <laughs> exactly. you know, you, you went through the six-game road trip, uh, you know, new coach, some new players, uh, I'm going to give a quick shout-out to Super fan Andrew Barrington. Um, he, I asked him if he had any questions for you, and and his question uh, he came back with, your thoughts on the Connor Trenholm trade. Um, we had you on in the uh, the trade episodes leading up to the trade deadline, and you know we kind of threw out some names, and Connor Trenholm was maybe a name that might get moved, but you know at his age, if if the deal was the right deal, it evidently was. This your thoughts on on that deal.
2: Well, that's exactly the wording I would use if the deal was the right deal and it was the right deal. And I think it could be, I think it is an unconventional trade, but it could end up being very rich for both teams, depending on how it plays out. Because usually during the trade window, if you're a rebuilding team, which the Eagles are trading 20 year olds is a no brainer. Trading a 19 year old that's going to go pro the next year is a no brainer. Trading a 19 year old that's not going to go pro is still very likely because his value is a lot higher. It's the 18s that get a little bit murkier. And if you looked at, we talked about Jeremy Langwall. he's a guy that could potentially if he's drafted, be pro in 20. Not impossible for Trenholm, but he's already been passed over in the draft, so mm-hmm. Langlois would be more likely in that case, although obviously an 18-year-old is a late birthday is not necessarily missing their 20-year-old season if they're drafted because of signing rights and whatnot, but anyway, I would think of the two, Langlois would have been the more likely trade target. That's not to say that there was an interest and that the team just didn't want to move him or whatever, but Trenholm is a player who more than likely is going to be in the league for two and a half more years, but you know, they got a really good return. The first round pick is huge. And I think McCluskey and Savard kind of interesting pieces too. at 18. There could be some uh, untapped potential there. If you're St. John Trenholm, it's interesting. I understand he actually had to kind of work his way up the lineup. I think he was on the fourth line for a time, but we saw St. John play on the weekend and he was on the second line with uh, Philippe Daou and Ryan Francis, of course, former Eagle as well, Francis. And they look great. So, you know, obviously to me, Trenholm when they traded for him, to me, it looked like, okay, this is a guy who is the blueprint of third-liner on a contender who you can slide into a top-six role, no problem. Mm -hmm. And then next year, presumably, would step into that full-time. And I think, too, if you're looking at it from the Cape Breton point of view, it's like, well, you got that first pick. That's huge. And then plus you're kind of getting a couple of lottery tickets, really, in Savoy and McCluskey. Guys who you can play, they're not going to hurt you, and they might develop into something more down the road. If you're St. John... It is a big price, but you're not only you're getting a good player, you're getting a key glue guy, which is big. If you're bringing in a lot of guys from a lot of different places, I know that almost sounds counterproductive. Oh, we're bringing all these guys. Chemistry might be an issue. So let's bring in another guy. But I think it makes sense if you know the type of human being and in, in person. Connor Trenholm is a great, uh, great presence in the dressing room. So there's that. And also the fact, you know, he takes a step forward the next year you're going to recoup. If you look at yeah. the net gain, so to speak, St. John will get some of those assets back by trading him down the road. So I think it's got, I I kind of, I guess you can say applaud both general managers for being innovative, and think it could end up being a unique win-win for both teams.
1: Yeah, it's not just one of those, we're going to buy at the deadline and, and rebuild with nothing moving forward because we're going to lose this player. It's it's an actual QMJH hockey trade where both teams are going to benefit down the road short-term as well as um, long-term, um, you know, going into the two game set uh, out of the three that we just played, we saw Remy De La Fonte in both games. Uh, I think we saw Nicholas Ruchia a few times early in the season. So um, these guys, we, we talked about in the preseason with you, is it going to be a 1A? Is it going to be, you know, a 1 and a 2? Is somebody going to take the net? I mean, just, you're with that team all the time. Do you see a situation in the second half where it's a 1A, 1B, or is it one of these guys is finally just going to take the net?
2: I think it's gonna be one A, one B. And I don't know if there's been a huge difference thus far in terms of how Jake Grimes handled it and how Chad Cassidy's handled it thus far. Now, for those that haven't been paying attention to Cape Breton's schedule specifically, when the Eagles restarted, Remy Delafontaine started the first game of that six trip, six-game trip, sorry, and then they rotated game for game. The only exception has been when the team came out of the COVID-19 protocols, Ruccio was a little bit later coming out of protocol. So that's why DelaFontaine started back-to-back games. The second consecutive game that DelaFontaine started, Ruccio was dressed, but he was only there as a backup, kind of an easing him in type thing. So then once Ruccio was ready, he came in and started the next game. So I feel like there is the potential if one of the goaltenders kind of really starts to, you know, run away with it, that, that he'll take over. But, I think based on what we've seen, it's tough for a 17 year old goaltender to play in this league. It's tough to be playing in the maritime division. Mm -hmm. There's so many teams and you're on a young team. So it's probably, you know, not ideal situation for a goaltender (laughs) to be lights out every night. So, you know, I've seen enough from both goaltenders to be excited that they could be potential stars in the league, but I've also, you know, seen enough of them playing in tough conditions that they haven't been able to overcome to think that it's maybe unlikely that one of the two of them will grab that starter's reign and i think realistically you're hoping that one or both become that star netminder at 18 they're not there yet but that's not surprising because it's pretty rare for a goaltender to be a star at 17
1: yeah and i mean you got two of them and and you know moving into next year depending what it could maybe you move one of them if if one of them takes the role and you have two good goaltenders at 18 19 you have Valuable assets in the net.
2: Yeah. And the other thing to factor in too, look at what happened with the Trenholm trade. It's possible that different people around the league value players differently. Right. You know, we could look at the end of the season and Chad Cassidy and Jack Carrier are sitting back looking at their goaltending and thinking, you know what, these two guys are, are pretty equal. Like, we're going to keep this going. But then some other GM around the league, for whatever reason, doesn't like De La Fontaine but loves Rucci or vice versa. Yeah. And then they come in and just offer something, you know, that you think is above value. And then you say, okay, well, you know, he could have been our guy, but we like what this package is. So we're going to take the trade. So that's always a possibility. But I think uh, unless something like that happens that, you know, they're probably going to keep this rotation going the same, you know, it gets It'd be interesting to see. I mean, if you got into a situation, they're both stars in their 19-year-old year. I mean, obviously, you'd be thinking of making a decision that, on trading one of them there. But, of course, if you were going for it, you wouldn't want to help one of your opponents. <laughs> yeah. so it could be one of those yeah. interesting layered situations. I don't know how happy both of the goalies would be by that yeah. point. But yeah. I mean, for sure, uh, right now, I can see this rotation going into next season. I wouldn't be surprised about that at all.
1: Yeah, if you're going to make a deal, you want to you try and get them out of your division, maybe get them into Quebec. Um, You know, a a guy you're going to play once a year, not uh, seven, eight times uh, a year. So, um, I mean, this has been a strange year for the Maritime Division, for the Q, uh, all the way around. Uh, But especially in Cape Breton, you guys had Jake Grimes in the first half. You now have Chad Cassidy in the second half. Um, Special teams was a big storyline for us this weekend. Jeremy and I talked about the inability in the power play. You look at the power play numbers for Cape Breton and for a team who's last in the league they're eighth in power play. Have you seen a change from Jake Grimes to Chad Cassidy and, and not only just the power play, but just the on ice product. I mean, uh, you get the coach bump every now and again, you guys beat Sherbrooke, you beat Gatineau, but um, what have you seen from Chad Cassidy in terms of the different style with, uh, with Jake Grimes in the first half?
2: Yeah, I think there is definitely a coach bump. There's a bit more intensity. I think there too. I mean, Jake ended up leaving the team for personal reasons. And I, you know, I always got along great with Jake and there was some good success while he was there to be, right. you wonder, you know, things may have been tough for him by the end of his tenure, if he did end up having to leave. So i uh, getting a good, uh, fresh perspective. I think was helpful for the team, you know, on paper, the team in theory should have got worse getting younger, but you know, the Quebec trip, we talk about the strength of the Maritimes, right? You're playing teams that are not necessarily weak, but not the powerhouse teams we've seen uh, in, in, uh, in the Maritimes this year. So that might be part of it. I think though, it is a bit of that bump and the teams that, in, intensity you know maybe that extra week off helped too to get more practice time in kind Uh of get your systems down in terms of the special teams uh, the power play numbers really did get a bump from the second half i think uh, it's the eagles power play ranking was much lower to start the second half of the season there's some good weapons back there and I know I was talking to you guys about this off air was the fact that Connor Shortles had a little bit of an emergence there in the back end. The team knew he had some offensive pop when they traded for him from Drummondville. He's uh, been productive since he came over actually scored in Drummondville, which was nice to see. And there's some options there too, because obviously Jeremy Langlois and Sean LaRochelle are both the defensemen who have offensive capabilities. LaRochelle was out for a long time with injury when he came back Chad Cassidy was vocal that I asked, I said, you know, how's this going to affect the top power play unit? He said, well, we're not going to rush La Rochelle in right away. But then it ended up being the case that Langlois was out for an injury. So he got put back on the top power yeah, play unit there. Yeah. Cam Squires emerged as a bit of a power play specialist. He's 16, so he's not uh, seeing top six regularly, but he's not looking at a place on the top power play unit. Uh, getting Nick Schirard, uh Nick Girard was back too because he was out for a lot of the first half. So just some of the pieces coming back together in addition to the coaching, I think has made a difference there, which is very nice to see. And, you know, I mean, Ivan, Ivan has obviously been cons- consistent, easy for me to say, throughout the season. So uh, it's probably a combination of, you know, practice and execution, some personnel coming back, new coach, and it's uh, been a good recipe, and the power plays have been pretty fun to watch.
1: Yeah, and, you know, you, you, I think you had a couple goals on the – you had one on the power play that got you back in with, with Ivan Ivan on that uh, on that Sunday. So, um, I mean, special teams is big in junior hockey. And if you can get just a little bit of momentum – um, you can make things uh, happen for sure. Um, you know, we talked to you early on about Emil Perrion and the, the, the trade and, and what he's brought. And not so much bringing offense as a 16-year-old, but just talk about this kid. And obviously there was the pressures being the guy that was picked from the, the Tyler Peddle trade. Just how have you seen him evolve uh, over this season?
2: It was funny because when the Eagles played Drummondville, I could sense there was some urgency in Emil Perron's game. And I talked to Kiefer Lyons was on the broadcast with me that night and he, he said he looked pretty fired up to play against him. I think a bit of a turning point for Emil was when he got selected to play at E17s so it was named captain. There was a lot of talk about his leadership skills. Coming in, And that's hard to detect a lot of times on a 16-year-old because you're not in position to lead yet. Right. And he is, by nature, a quiet guy. He's not uh, going to be the type of guy, I don't think, at least not yet, that's going to be a giving a rousing vocal speech. But, you know, they obviously, Hockey Canada likes something if they saw that to give him a letter. You know, there's been some ups and downs, but I did see a marked improvement coming out of the tournament. It's you know, it's tough to play in this league at 16, especially for a D. And Mm -hmm. I mean, no, no slight to Tyler Pettle, obviously, who's uh, turning out to be a great pick for Drummondville. But I think it's always going to be harder for a defenseman than a forward at this age. Defensemen mature later, generally speaking, uh, so that's uh, challenging for him. But I think you know, there's been there's been some ups and downs. You know, maybe more so than we'd like to see, but I think overall the progress has been good and I think he's come a long way since the beginning of the season. You know, Jury's out and this is not just necessarily on Emil Perra, but you've got to remember that last year's draft was always going to have the potential to be a little bit funky because of COVID-19 and right. you know, viewings and whatever, so there yeah. could be all kinds of situations where you look back and say, "Oh, why did this guy get picked here or whatever?" But <laughs> I think that yeah, once uh, once you got to U17s there was a lot of a uh, a lot of confidence instilled in his game. And I think there's optimism going forward and hopefully he'll be a good player for the Eagles for a long time.
1: Yeah. The old, you know, draft is an inexact science and it was even more difficult last year with especially the limited viewings um, for all 18 teams. Um, We're in the second half. We're into crunch time. I'm, I'm not sure what your guys' schedule is. I know we're playing about, I think 28 games in 30 some days. Now you're probably in and about that same boat. What's the what's the evaluation? What's the goal for this team in the second half? Um, I mean, obviously, playoffs, I would guess would be a goal, but it's going to be tough, especially in our division. Um, I know the the Nova Scotia playoffs start. So are are you going to see are you expecting to see more call ups just kind of evaluate everything moving forward? Or what's your expectation in this in the second half?
2: Well, in terms of the numbers, the stat before the Halifax game, which was the last game we played before the two games against Moncton, was, was 30 games in 62 days. So <laughs> a tough stretch, obviously, and tough for everybody around the league.
1: Unless you like hockey. like it's If you want to watch yeah, a lot of hockey, you're in for it.
2: Yeah, well, you, to what you were talking about, about call-ups, it's terrible to say, but you, know, you look at that kind of schedule, it's probably likely the teams around the league are, are going to incur injuries. So there's going to yeah. have to be organizational depth. Yeah. So in terms of what the goal is, I would say playoffs is the goal, but I think even though the team wouldn't publicly say it, there's probably an understanding that that's going to be tough to achieve both because of the space between the Eagles and the other teams in the playoff race and the division that we're in, because, you know, the three teams of the Maritimes that loaded up and Halifax <laughs> decided not to sell. And, you know, Moncton, I kind of view in a way as being in a similar cycle to the Eagles, but you're not going to beat Moncton every time you play them. You know, obviously that's not going to be the yeah. case. So, and, and, you know, the Quebec team, we don't really have a lot of games left against Quebec teams, but even some of those games against Sherbrooke and Quebec are obviously not going to be easy games either. So that's the goal. It's something to work towards, but I think there'll be disappointments if we don't make the playoffs because you're not in the playoff, but it wouldn't necessarily be a slight against the second half performance of the team. Based on the handicap that they were starting with and the schedule that they'd be working in. So, if that goal is not achieved, it's just get better, be competitive in your games, see progress from your younger players. In terms of affiliates and whatnot, you saw it in Moncton. Um, actually, you, you may not have noticed this because Jeremy Langwall was a late scratch Sunday. Because, so, Preston Pattingale came in, but Preston Pattingale was actually on the trip anyway because right. uh, what happened was the Sydney Rush and the U18 league here. Um, their playoff positioning was already settled. So the Eagles generally, uh, as a principal, don't like to take players away from their, their club teams. But because the rush didn't really have anything to play for, they called him up for the weekend. And uh, so he got into that game. But he he actually played in a game even when the Eagles had six healthy D just because they wanted to get him in. So you might see some more of that. I know the U18 league here is going into the playoffs next weekend. So, you know, Patton is an interesting case because he was one of the last cuts from camp. And almost certainly could have made any junior A team, I would think. But the Rush are hosting the Telus Cup. Turns out, it looks like they're not going to actually be able to host it. But that was probably one of the reasons they <laughs> decided to come back. So, yeah. if the Rush were to be eliminated in the playoffs of the first round, we could see a scenario. I'm not sure how their practices and whatnot work, but you might see Preston Pattingale around a little bit more. Not sure what else we'll see in terms of affiliates. I know in your backyard, Luke Patterson is a Moncton flyer. We've seen mm-hmm. a lot of but He's been good when he's been called up. So. Probably see a little bit of that. I think that's going to be a thing around the league. I think you're going to see a lot of teams use affiliates because the unfortunate nature of the beast is the more games to play in a short period of time. wear and tear is going to build up, and we're probably going to see some guys get hurt. We're not hoping for it, obviously. Yep. We hope everybody yeah. stays healthy, but it's just uh, the nature of the way the game's played.
1: Yeah, um, I mean, I know Jeremy's talked about it a couple of times on different shows, a taxi squad. Uh, as you get into that final April season, if if a lot of the midget teams are out, um, be able to bring some sort of a taxi squad so you have them available uh, but I mean, that's obviously on the players and the and the organization. Uh, second last one, a bit of a fun one. Um, I mean, we're not in that market. Uh, it's been a while since we talked to you. We had the World Junior three game set uh, early at Christmas. There, um, mm-hmm. Ivan, Ivan, and Ivan uh, made quite an impact uh, for the for the guys at TSN. Um, just how do you compare him to to a guy like Igor Sokolov? And I don't mean on the ice. I mean just in terms of in that market as a euro. Just he seems like a fan favorite. He's He's an impact player every time he's on the ice. Um, just, Do you see kind of a similarity between fan favorites of of the Euros going from a Sokolov to an Ivan Ivan?
2: Uh, only a small bit. I would say Ivan would be one of the more popular players, but unfortunately there's a couple of key differences there. And I guess the biggest difference would be the sheer spotlight on the league itself. You look at when Igor was playing, it was just before... The pandemic hit, you know, there was a couple of instances in the last regular season games he played. There's crowds of over 4,000 at Center 200, whereas Ivan was a rookie that year. And when he came back, you know, we're coming back to what the queue is now. And obviously, Igor was on an Eagles team that was charging hard. He was in the gold medal game for Russia. Yeah. You know, he was a larger than life personality. Ivan's a great guy. Couldn't say anything bad about it personally, but Sokolov was very unique. And his story was how he literally didn't know English. That's not an exaggeration. He didn't know anything. And he (laughs) came to be this uh, charismatic, larger than life guy. Right. Ivan has been a very, you know, obviously a very good player. I've said before, in no slight to Igor, Ivan more complete player at the junior level. Sokolov will probably tell you himself in junior, uh, the defensive side of the puck, not his specialty, <laughs> but as you saw, you saw in Moncton, Ivan, Ivan, a uh, shorthanded goal, two yeah. goals shorthanded on the weekend. So he's somebody you he can play at both ends of the ice. I think there's probably, it's probably not so much uh, a marketing from the casual point of view, but I think there's always an appreciation from the. more hardcore fans when you do well on your europeans and because you know it's not easy for these guys to make an adjustment over and there's always a bit more of an inexact science and you know ivan you know just no disrespect to his talents he wasn't like one of these you know big money european acquisitions that you see come in he was just you know this guy looks like he could be a good player came in has obviously been a very good player fans appreciate that and it is possible, especially with all the hubbubaloo over his name at the World Juniors, that yeah. you know maybe he could have become a, a bit more of a sensation in the second half. But combined with the fact uh, he's playing still in the COVID era and the fact he's playing for a rebuilding team, he was never going to be able to uh, get the type of interest that Igor Sokolov had. But I think uh, you know when when his career is done, uh, people will be pretty appreciative of what he's done with the Eagles the last two years.
1: Yeah, for sure. And like I kind of forgot like that that time that Sokolov was playing. I mean, we have Havana off and they're in the gold medal game. They're, they're in that Canada uh, Q CHL Russia series. So, I mean, it was just a, it was a different time and it's, it's awfully tough to, uh, to compete with that. But I just, we're not in that market. So it's just, he's, he's so popular on the ice. And, and of course he had that bump from the world junior. So you just kind of wonder, <laughs> and you a know,
2: fun, fun player to watch for sure. Yeah.
1: Um, the last fun one. And, you know, have you figured out your Mount Rushmore of WWE themes? Cause you know uh, we had a few I've, other guesses and we had a few other inputs <laughs> and, and you like to break it down. And I just, I was like, Pat, just the four that impact you. That's all I'm looking for.
2: I very much. I'm the type of person. I've had this conversation with you before. When somebody asks what they perceive to be a fun question, I will have my own kind of fun <laughs> with it that other people find <laughs> annoying. I'll give a parallel. I don't know if you and I have ever had this chat before, but I'm like this about one-hit wonders. Like, oh, oh. Looks like, I'm like, okay, what do you mean? Like, are we talking like the band that has this one massive hit and then they have other hits that kind of became hits by default? Or are we yeah. talking about a band that had like a, a sort of a big hit and they didn't have anything else? Like, I'm very much the same, and for people that didn't, see the whole exchange on twitter my kind of the cole's notes of it was is like well a lot of people had a lot of wrestlers had had what we consider great themes but the theme may have been iconic because the wrestler was a big star and right. would have been a big star otherwise and the example i used was hulk hogan a lot of people might not realize that before he had real america he was coming out to Eye of the tiger and if you watch wrestlemania 1 or yeah it would have been just wrestlemania 1 on the WWE network, it's all been edited out. So it's edited to make it look like he came out to real American. But if you look in the corners of the internet out there, you can see <laughs> the unedited stuff. So the one example I use to me of a song that would have been integral to somebody becoming a star to me, the ultimate warrior is a great example. Yeah. Uh, I cited a couple of, I'm going to totally weasel out of actually giving an answer, but I'll just you some more insight uh, <laughs> as to, I have a fondness for whatever reason of like mid-card 80s guys. I don't know if people listening would remember the fabulous Rujo brothers, but the all-American boys theme, one of the all-time greats, yeah, 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 uh, yeah. as I said, ties into hockey because uh, Julian Gauthier is the, the great nephew of the Rujo brothers of the league. Oh, nice. Uh, so. So that would uh, that would be one example uh, girls and cars another classic uh, so those would be probably the two that stand out um i was kind of surprised in the discussion that was on twitter the nwo theme didn't get more uh, love Now, obviously that was going to be successful regardless of Yeah what and i feel that was more
1: wcw than it was wwe theme um fair, fair. which fair. i i think would garner why that one might uh, might have a few. It was really tough to narrow that fourth one down. And with anything you do, in Mount Rushmore, whether it's you know football or baseball or songs or wrestlers or whatever, everybody has their three. That it's just bang, bang, bang. It's right. that fourth one that you got to narrow down. And like I I said uh, in the episode, I mean Edge's theme for me is pretty awesome. Um, I mean Bret Hart. We saw a few few uh, nominations for that uh, sure. Legion of Doom um brandy orton like it was really tough to narrow that fourth one down for me
2: yeah it's i you could talk all day demolitions theme would be one yep. that should be up yep. there
1: jake murphy uh, had that one
2: yeah that's uh that that's a great call uh personally i love the rockers theme but i don't know if that's really iconic so yeah. to speak obviously you know i'm i was not a dx guy but dx's theme you know obviously is know dx's NWO, so. do, uh Jeremy was partial to Shawn Michaels' and Steam. I don't know if he wants me to mention that that was actually played at his wedding. He I, actually, know, I don't think you knew Jeremy at that time. I didn't know it, but he,
1: he mentioned it when uh, – because we both had that one. So Because um, I think Shawn Michaels is one of the greatest ever um, to ever be in the ring. And uh, so, yeah, we both had that one. And I think I had The Undertaker just because – and even when I played it, it gave me absolute
2: chills. So, um,
1: yeah this- –
2: despite the fact that it had a few weeks, I'm thinking there's probably something obvious that's still eluding me, but I just, uh, <laughs> I
1: don't know. Hey man, we'll have you on anytime. You just, uh, you just let us know when you want to talk wrestling, hockey, big brother, Canada, it don't matter. Um, you just let us know, but I don't want to take up too much of your time on this, uh, this, uh, Tuesday evening as we re- as I re record this because of, you know, technical, technical technology that I can't even speak, but Hey man, sure. thanks for doing this again. And, uh, you know, you're welcome back anytime. And, you know, good luck to the Eagles, uh, except when you play us.
2: Well, really appreciate it. And I did enjoy this, but people should know that the first recording was probably the, the greatest piece of recording in the history of podcasting. Yeah. I'm just hoping that this, this recording cracks top five, but uh, always fun to be on the show. <laughs> Thanks for having me and, uh, and have fun watching the team the rest of the year.
1: Thanks, Matt. All right.
2: Take care guys. So, yeah, I mean, I, I
1: don't really know what to expect from this, from this hockey club. I mean, Playoffs would be the aspiration of any hockey club, but like you said, they're they're in a dogfight to make up those points, and mm-hmm. it'll be eight points behind. What are they, Big Como. So it's it's tough.
0: Yeah, it's uh, at this point you, th- you got to think they're going to be one of the two teams to uh, to maybe hit the hit the golf course a little early here. Yeah, uh, but uh you know what it's that's kind of I uh, was kind of to be expected uh I, I might have even taken Cape Breton as one of the teams to miss the playoffs at uh you know early on in the in the season so it's not much of a surprise mm-hmm. and uh I think they did a great, uh, I think they did the smart thing by trading Connor Trenholm and and they got a really good turn for him and um you know they just got to start uh they've got they've got to build their team they i, I they got two really good goalies they've got uh, Mil Peron on the back end they've got Jeremy Langlois on the back end um you know they're they're doing the right thing here and uh you know they're the forwards that they've been picking lately uh you know Lucas Canning hasn't exactly been the Lucas Canning that was the midget player scoring like 30 goals right mm-hmm. so it's um, they've got to get a little, uh, a little more smarter on the, uh, on the, on the drafting of forwards, and I think this team will, will go places here in a few years. Yep, and it's the perfect time to find out what you got. I mean, Nova Scotia
1: U team playoffs are starting, so if, you know when you got prospects, bring them up, give them an evaluation in a regular season game because it's, it's much different than, than a preseason game. So um, it's, it's a, it's not going to be an easy second half for fans in Cape Breton, but you know what, you, you get to watch your hockey club and you get to see them progress and, and you can evaluate your rosters for next season so um, quickly previewing like I said before we we talked to Pat there we got Sherbrooke to end the, uh, the five game series as we're calling it um, didn't really go that well in uh, in February started uh, great started great yep got into a little bit of penalty trouble um, let's uh, make sure we get the line changes going mm-hmm. we started that one with too many men and ending um, I mean Sherbrooke's won five of the last six Joshua Ward, the puck touches his stick it's in the back of the net um you're gonna have to take care of this line, and it's a lot like Halifax, where the uh, the Denoyer or uh, Larue line. I mean, that that can be a dangerous line. Perron, Ansel, and uh, and Wah. I mean, you're gonna have to, and you're gonna have to be disciplined against this team because they're they're very good on the power play.
0: They're lethal. Yeah. Uh, I think we kind of caught a break there in uh, in Sherbrooke when we, we we got to their goalie early and. Uh, you know, that's, and we thought, okay, yeah, well, this, this could be, uh, you know, it could be a lot easier, but, you know, it's, then it just started being the uh, Xavier Perron show and uh, the Joshua Law show, so, uh, yeah, these are, these are, these are guys you're going to want to, uh, you know, control, and, uh, you know, if you look at these next three games, they're obviously going to be tough, uh, you know, Sherbrooke. Bathurst, Saint yeah. John, you know these special days. night up in Bathurst. Mm-hmm. Don't want to give anything away, but they tease something that they're yeah. gonna have on the might, Friday night. Uh, might be wearing something. Yeah. Uh, Could be something. Might new. be a new jersey that they're wearing. No uh, idea for all we know. Um, so yeah, that'll be interesting. We don't want to dissect it here, but look, these are three tough teams. Yeah, and um, you the know, road doesn't get any easier. If we can get a couple points in these in these three yeah. games, I'll be happy. Yeah, uh, you know, I'll just um, you know. When you have games against you know, two games against Cape Breton and, and a game against Halifax, you hope to come out with four points, and they did that. They came out with five, which was awesome. This uh this stretch of three is a tough one. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, if I can if we can get two out of these uh three, uh two points out of six, I'll be uh I think I'll be more than happy. Yep, that's uh that's where I am. You ready for everyone's favorite part of the show? Let's go Eric Murray Realty. Buy a house from him. Stick Tap of the Week. Yeah, so this week's Stick Tap uh, is not going out to the gas prices. Let's put it that way. Uh, we are getting completely uh, screwed with the old gas prices. So let's put it that, uh, let's let's start it off there. Um, stick Tap of the Week this week is, uh, you know, when I first heard of this, I was a little skeptical uh, because they were teasing an announcement in November of last year. Uh, and then suddenly it was January and then it was February and then it was March and then we finally got it. Yep. Uh, YQM Country Fest, uh, massive lineup, uh, so far, um, which is, it's just, it's their first year. It's their inaugural show. Um, but you've seen where some of these festivals have gone over the years, Mm -hmm. right? Um, in terms of a lineup, I think this is better than Cavendish on the sole basis of you're getting big name country stars to perform back-to-back nights. Yeah. In Cavendish, you've got a headliner, then you've got, okay, some, as Pat called it, mid-card, yeah. mid-carders, <laughs> yeah. you've got mid-carders. Um, you know, you've got a Blake Shelton headlining one night, you've got a Florida Georgia line headlining another night. But then you've got, you know, a Brett Young, a Jordan Davis, a Scotty McCurry. Like these are like they're not headliners, but they're they're not even mid carters. These guys are like, you know, they're kind of almost at their their peak, mm-hmm. right? Um so to get to get acts like this, uh, you know, in Moncton at a site where you said it yourself, man, you drove past it and you just don't know how they're gonna get I have no idea. It's literally right beside the Uniplex. Yeah.
1: And I, I would assume that the Uniplex is going to be shut down, and that's going to be for the bands and the buses. Mm-hmm. And but I, I was a little shocked it's not at Magnetic Hill. And um, it, sh- it yeah. I just and Layla said it like logistically, Magnetic Hill sometimes isn't easy to get to because you got to park, you got to take a bus, you got to do that. But man, if you're living in and around that, I can't imagine.
0: Like, they're going to have to shut down a quarter of DM, well, yeah. so you can't park. Yeah. It's, it's it, going to be interesting. It will be interesting, but so far, I mean, this lineup looks amazing. Uh, you know damn right I'll be there. Yeah, uh, And it's perfect because it's literally, they're, like, the first weekend of the Q training camp. Um, so it's, like... Part one. Part, <laughs> yeah. So you got to think, like, what, what, what are the Wildcats? I made a joke. Uh, Aiden and I were talking about, about this, and we made a, I made a joke about how this would be a perfect scenario for Mr. Irving. To go and buy one of these uh, executive VIP tables, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, that are, I think, six, six grand. grand. Yeah, You choked about it. do we want to split? And uh, you go and you draft, like, these NCAA cards, <laughs> you know, these NCAA kids, yeah. right? Uh, and you bring him to Moncton, and you get him tickets to this show at the executive VIP table, and you just bring the goddamn contract. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like the, yeah. you know the contract match, yeah, you know, yeah, the, yeah, uh, yeah. the contract signings in WWE. You bring the contract to the table. Here's your uh, here's your private flushable washroom. <laughs> also, yeah. here is your contract. Take it or leave it. Yeah. Uh, I'm super stoked for this show. Um, obviously, I won't be able to go to Cavendish because that sold out like. A heartbeat. Yeah. Um, but this is... Uh, this will be quite quite the experience. Uh, I just don't want any... Um, I don't want any Beach Blast, Dooley's Beach Blast flashbacks from when they played in Shediac, you know, six or seven years ago. You weren't here. Nope. But what a freaking nightmare that was. All right. um, you know, the the ATMs ran out of money. Um, the... To, to-, to portable toilets? Yep. Like porta-potties? Yeah. Someone went to the site the night before the show and stole all the toilet paper. So when you went to take a... And that was even pre-pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. So someone stole all the toilet paper. Wow. So not all of it, but, you know... Most of it. Most yeah. of it. Where if you went in there, you the only roll was the roll that was on there. <laughs> Right, the so yikes. you know, it, it was just uh, a nightmare. People were people were, they broke down the, the tent that separated general Mission to VIP. So everybody was storming the 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 front of the stage. Uh, a nightmare, and there's never been a, a, a beach blast at Parley Beach ever since because it was a f- a freaking gong show. Yeah. Um, so I just don't want that sort of thing to happen because I think this has such so t- huge potential. Huge potential. Yeah. Because um, you look at you know Country Thunder at West uh, Boots and Hearts in Ontario, um, you know, there's, there's so many country festivals that are out there that can attract Cavendish, obviously Cavendish, that attracts big name artists to their towns every single year, and, you know, this hopefully can, uh, uh, can, can be the start of something good, you know, the pre-still started on, on Monday, didn't go so well, um, you know, I think the only method of payment they were accepting was PayPal because their credit card transactions weren't going through. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. It's your first day. Okay, I'll let you off the hook. <laughs> um, but, you know, when tickets go on sale Friday, if they're running into problems like this, it won't be good. Um, so I just want to, you know, <laughs> good luck. That's what it, let's put it that way. Yeah, um, and,
1: you know, as I joked with you when we were talking about uh, this festival after I got back from there, um, shout out to Scotty and Tony yes on the 969 uh morning show look this is huge for you guys you guys are going to be you know announcing this you're going to be working hard uh, Jeremy and I have come to the conclusion that we'll help out <laughs> so to save your voices from working all week and then having to do this concert you guys just worry about the big acts the Florida Georgia line the Blake Shelton Jeremy and I we can introduce all the the mid card acts we can we can help out we can save your voices for what should be an excellent uh, an excellent show. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I, if you guys need our help, we are 100% here. We're ears. We're all ears. Yes, we're all ears. We have no problem uh, giving you any help you can get. But, like you said, I mean, you're seeing these country festivals pop up, up everywhere. And it's literally because the country stations are playing mm-hmm. current country music.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: 103, the, the, the rock stations nowadays... They're more classic rock, but let's get
2: into the... The Stick Tap of the Week, sponsored by Eric Murray Real Estate with the REMAX Avante team. If you're looking to buy or sell a home in the greater Moncton or surrounding area, make sure to check him out on social media or give him a call at 506-863-8802.
1: That brings us to the Wildcast Wildcat of the Week. Um, I mean, you could go a myriad of different ways here. Uh, she's back for another season right now. Both Angelina and Nicole are accepting new clients and they direct Bill. Just give him a call, 506 830 1224, or follow him on Instagram, rosemary Uh This goes to a player who is picking it up. You can see it in his game, um, he's getting more comfortable in the North American game. Uh, I mean, he only had two points in the three games, but it wasn't so much his point production. 60% in the faceoff on Thursday, 32% on Friday. Look, no one had a good game in the faceoff circle against Halifax. 73% again on Sunday. Uh, he's about 50% clip this month. Uh, but it's not that he's winning the draws. It's the meaningful draws he's taken. We talked about it earlier. Um, he's on the ice at the end of the Halifax game. He was on the ice near the end of the uh, Cape Breton game. He's playing the late minutes. The big draws. Your Wildcast Wildcat of the week is number 40, Jonas Tybell. That's going to do it for us on this one. A little bit of a longer episode. But we do thanks Pat McNeil for joining us with uh, tying everything together. And, uh, and give us a little bit of a breakdown on the Eagles. Again, tonight, Sherbrooke, get your tickets. I mean, 3,600 people, 3,400 people. We're filling that building, and it's it's good to see. Um, and then we've got the Saturday against, uh, against St. John. So get your tickets now on Ticketmaster. Thanks again. See you
0: next week. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Wildcast
2: Podcast. Follow us on social media at Moncton Wildcast. <laughs>